get to do this together. So this is an exciting week. It's uh, awesome, fun, exciting time. Your parents are learning great stuff over there. I want to point out one thing before we get into God's word, and this is what it is. We've been doing these bulletins for a while. This is good stuff, all right? If you are a note taker, where are my note takers in here? Raise your hand. if You're, you're going to love this lesson then because this is a note taker's lesson. You're going to dig this. And if you're not a note taker, then you're a boy. Secondly, <laughs> secondly, at the bottom are scriptures we've selected for each day of the week. Get in your words. Read your Bibles. I believe that everything that is true can come out of and does come out of God's word. So be in your Bibles. If you don't have one, I will give you one for free. It'll be awesome. And on the back is the image of the week. This one's zany. Someone emailed to me. Email me your pictures. I think they're hilarious. Collect these. Turn them in later. Whatever. All right. Enough of that. Here we go. Open up your Bibles with me to the book of Matthew, chapter 25. Now, if you don't have a Bible with you, you can grab one in the back. They're on the little back thing over there. See, someone's going and getting it. See, he broke the ice. Anyone else want to go get a Bible? Anyone else want to go get a Bible? That guy's breaking the ice. That guy's breaking the ice. He's smashing it with his feet. Look at other people going to get Bibles too. Now, listen. Listen. You can't be doing that stuff. Getting Bibles in front of me gets me excited because people are getting into God's word and it's exciting. It's on page number 807. You might think, Justin, why are the page numbers on the screen? Well, this is the reason why. We want you guys in your Bibles. And if you don't have one, we're going to have them back there. We're going to start making it easy for you. We have plans for this room that you can't even conceive right now. And we're going to start putting page numbers on the screen. So if you forget your Bible and you don't know exactly where Matthew 25 is, it's in the New Testament if you were wondering, then you can flip right to the page. So be in God's word. This is what the Bible has to say. This is uh, Jesus talking. He says, when the Son of Man comes in his glory, you don't know what this means yet, but I'm going to explain it, comes in his glory, and all the angels with him will sit on his glorious throne. You guys got to have a picture of what maybe a beautiful, glorious throne is. Verse 32, all the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate the people from one another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. So this is easy stuff. I think you're all tracking with me. It's a shepherd. He's dividing the people. Jesus is referring to himself as the son of man coming, and he's going to do this as a shepherd. This is what it says in verse 33. He will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. So clear separation, kind of like how we have the girls and the boys. I mean, this is clear separation that Jesus is talking about. I mean, are there any boys on the girls' side? I don't think so. Any girls on the boys' side? No. So clear separation is happening. Jesus is saying this. This is what it says in the next verse. Verse 34. Doesn't it sound like a motorboat? Here we go. Then the king will say to those on his right. So he's saying to all of the girls, okay, so the, on the right, and this is, you know, not literally all the girls, but on the right are my girls. So this is what he's saying. Come, you who are blessed by the Father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. Anyone ever have visitors in prison? I have. I have. No, I haven't been to prison. But it, you're kind of like, wait, what? Justin's been to prison? No, I haven't been in prison. But this is, so there's a thing. You can all see yourselves in this, though. Listen, you can all see yourselves in this. You're hungry. You want someone to bring you food because you don't want to starve. 
If you're thirsty, you want someone to reach in into the fridge and pull out a nice cold bottle of water and give it to you because you don't want to die of thirst. If you're cold, you want someone to bring you clothes. If you're alone in a prison, and listen, sometimes you might think prison like, oh, no, I'm never going to break the law. I'm never going to go to prison. Listen, sometimes school feels like a prison and you feel like you're alone. You feel like you're all by yourself and you don't know anyone. Maybe you're the new kid in school or you, you just transferred or you're visiting. Or, and maybe sometimes JHM feels like a prison because you're here for the first time. You don't know anybody. And you just want someone to come up and say hello and talk to you and notice you and accept you. And this is what Jesus is saying. Just like I was alone in prison, unaccepted, uh, segregated, and by myself, you came and visited me. This is what he's saying about these people, this group that he's separated to to his right. This is what it says in the next verse, verse 37. It says, then the righteous will answer him. So these are the people on the right, the righteous, the ones that know, serve, and love God. Okay, So make a note of this. The right people on the right are the people that know, love, and serve God. He says in verse 37, then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty, and give you something to drink, question mark. Because because he's not referring to a specific time. Because these people are looking at Jesus and saying, when did we ever do these things for you? Like, we remember hearing you teach and watching you do miracles, but when did we ever serve you, or bring you water, or something to eat? And this is what he continues to say in verse 38. When did we see you a stranger and invite you in or needing clothes and close you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? Now, this is, this is, this is mind-blowing, okay? This is not mind-blowing because this is what Jesus is saying. This is, this is incredible. Jesus is, is giving them content, giving them questions, and saying things about them that for them, they have no way of understanding it because they never did any of these things. That's like me looking at you and saying, hey, do you remember that time that you stopped and, and help me change my tire on the side of the road? Do you remember that time that I had that sign that said, you know, I'm starving, give me $5 as you're entering the 405? Do you remember that time at school when I was alone at my locker in tears and you had no idea why, but instead of just passing by me, you stopped and took time out of your day to see how I was doing? Now, you might say to yourself, Justin, we, we've never done these things for you. You don't go to my school. I've never seen you by the 405. Trust me, I hang out by the 405. Super cool. And you might say, Justin, what are you talking about? These things don't make sense. Verse 40, the king will reply, and this is Jesus replying, truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. This is what he's saying. If you are doing this for someone else in need, the least of these, those who are marginalized or forgotten about, those who it's easy to drive past them or walk past them in the hallway, if you are doing it for them, you are doing it for me. And it's showing us the image of God's heart. That's the next slide. Magic. Verse 37. This is what it says. Then those sheep who are going to say, Master, what are you talking about? When did we ever see you hungry oh, uh, and feed thirsty? When did we ever see you sick and in prison and come to you? Then the king will say, I'm telling you the solemn truth. Whoever you did one of these overlooked or ignored, that was for me. Wait, hold on. That's, a, that's different, right? That's different than what we just read. 
this is from the message version. This is so cool. Because this is a very different way of looking at it. Because before, maybe it looked very, like, organized. And it was like, you know, I don't totally understand. This is what it's saying. This is the highlight of it. Then the king will say, I'm telling you the solemn truth. Whenever you did one of these things to someone overlooked or ignored, that was me. You did it to me. Because Jesus is saying, all these people out here, they're not random people forgotten about by me. I know these people by name. I created them. So when you offer them kindness and take care of them and, and help them and look after them, then you're doing it for me. This shows us the image of God's heart. Magic. So good. It shows us the image of God's heart, the things that are important to him. Now, all of you can kind of probably understand the idea that if I asked you to share your heart, maybe you wouldn't totally know what I'm talking about. You're like, well, you know, you have your own heart. I need my heart to live. Uh, I'm going to keep it. Have a great day. Get a pacemaker. This is the thing. Jesus is showing us his heart by this. What is important to him? Jesus is showing his heart by showing us what is important to him, the things that he cares about. See, these are the things he cares about. He cares about the needy. So if you have your, your thing, write down the needy because he cares about the needy, those who are forgotten about. He, see, he's showing us his heart. He's saying, I care about the needy. He also cares about the forgotten. You know, those in your, your schools or in your community or in the communities you drive quickly to get out of, the forgotten, he cares about those people. This is God's heart. He also cares about the outsider. Maybe you yourself was once an outsider. Maybe you now, sitting here in these chairs, feel somewhat like you're still an outsider. Here's the thing. God cares about the outsider. His heart is for the outsider. Because these things that you do for them, you're doing to me. He cares about the outsider. Now, we, we move on now to this new section of scripture, this new teaching. Because, and I want you to remember this. We know God's heart now. If you took notes, then you're going to be able to look at it. We know God's heart. So we're now stepping into the segment of Jesus' life that was kind of near the end of his life. So this is more uh, uh, toward the things that in his last days were most important to him to teach. See, we already established his heart and his care for people. Now I want to look at, and this is so true. If I had a week to live, now, I don't have a week to live. I'll be alive for a very long time if I take care of myself, my wife says. So I'm eating more fruit. It's true. I know, strawberries covered in Cool Whip. <laughs> totally counts. We're going to look now, after seeing God's heart, we're going to show him, just like if I was alive for a week, that what I would do in, and spend my time on in that last week would be the things that are most important to me. I would spend time you know, writing a, a little bit about what God has done in my life. I would spend time with my wife and my mother and other family members and friends. The people who are most important, my sixth grade small group would be there. I love you guys. They, I mean, the, people that, the things that are most important I would spend my time on and I would talk about often. So Jesus, knowing he has about a week to live before he goes to the cross, is spending time talking about the most important things to him. This is what it says in the book of John, chapter 13, it's page 874 in your blue Bibles. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. The evening meal was in process. This is uh, him uh, doing the, the, uh, the, the Last Supper, Passover. The meal was in process, and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power 
and that he had come from God and was returning to God. I'm going to unpack that verse in a second, so stay with me. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, wrapped the towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. Now, the day's going to come in junior high where I teach this lesson, and we do foot washing. It's not today, but know that it's coming. This is important stuff. Jesus, during his last week, his last moments with the people that matter to him most, said that in this time, the best way for me to serve in my all power is to serve you. Now, just look at this verse. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God, he is saying that he is all power, that the power he has is from God, that he's returning to God. So next slide says, magic is all power. Jesus is all power. He knows this. It is not a secret to him. It is something he shared with his close inner circle. And in this moment of reflection, knowing that he's all power, and knowing that he's about to be betrayed by Judas, spends time during doing some of the things that were important to him. The first thing, he served his friends. You know, he looked at his friends and said, me serving you is something I want to spend doing in my last you know, little bit of time. That service is important. You know, we see the image of God's heart, and he, he didn't just say it, but he showed it. You know, he was a humble guy. Jesus was humble. He didn't take all the power that he had, And this is what we see all too often. People with power tend to seek either more power or to minimalize the marginalized people to make them less than what they are and suppress them so that they are less and he is more. That's what people with power sometimes do when not dealt with correctly. Now, he was born a king, God's only son, here on earth. And instead of using that all power that he knew that he had to take over the world, to produce a large kingdom and riches and money, maybe he doesn't want the whole world, maybe he just wants a ton of the money in the world. He didn't do that. He didn't look and say, how can I be known for the things that I do? Not bringing focus to God, but bringing focus to me. No, no, no. He was humble. Jesus was a humble guy, a humble servant that cared about his friends, that cared about showing his heart to everyone. And he led clearly by example. He said, not only are these things important to me, I'm going to show you they're important to me, not by just telling you they're important to me, but by doing them myself. All right, now this is so killer. You're going to love this because this is what it says at the end of John now. So the end of John, John 13, this is what it says in verse 33. My children... I will be with you only a little longer. You will look for me, and just as I told the Jews, so I now tell you, where I am going, you cannot come. So I'm going somewhere. I've already told everybody. You might not have heard. You might not have gotten the Evite. If you didn't, I'm very sorry. Check your iPhone. It'll email you. I'm leaving. And not only am I leaving on a one-way trip, I'll come back eventually, but right now it's a one-way trip. You cannot come with me where I'm going. There's no room in the back seat for you. I'm going, and you can't come with me. Verse 34, a new command I give you. So here, here we go. Really put yourself in this place. This might be difficult for some of you, but I believe that you can. 
You have walked around with Jesus for three years. You have seen him teach thousands. You have seen him heal the sick. You have seen him give sight to the blind. You have seen him go toe-to-toe with the most religious people who had their own agendas and speak truth in love. You've seen this, and now you're being told by him that he's leaving and that you can't come with him. And that might be very shocking for you. See, these guys loved him. They they would put their life on the line for him. They spent three years of their life. They dropped their nets and what they were doing in their previous life and said, I I don't want to just believe in you. I want to be a follower of you. I'm going to go, and I'm going in the same direction as you, and I'm going to do it for three years, and I'm not going to leave. I don't want to leave, but now you're telling me you're leaving me. And this is in that moment where you're like, I've put so much into this relationship. I've learned so much from you. There's so much truth that I've gotten. I've seen such amazing things. He follows it up with this statement, maybe the most important One of the most important in the Bible is what he says in verse 34. A new command I give to you, love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. By this, everyone will know you are my disciples if you love one another. Let me read that again. A new command. So I I know about the previous commands. I I was there with my father when they were written for Moses. I know all about them. They're very familiar to me. I learned them as a child, even though I was there when they were written by my father. I give you a new one. Love one another, period. Simple. Easy. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. I am the example for you. Look to the last three years of our life together. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know you are my disciples if you love one another. Jesus has very clear vision, very clear vision. He knows exactly what they need to do. He knows exactly who they need to look to to figure it out. They know exactly how the world around them will perceive them or view them because of it. That is clear vision. You know, I like to think with with the junior high team that I work with here at the church that we have really clear vision. I like to think that, uh, that as Mariner's Church, and if you don't know this, this is the Irvine campus of Mariner's Church, and right now in other areas there are junior hires just like you meeting in Huntington Beach and San Juan Capistrano and Mission Viejo learning about Jesus. Now this is the thing. I like to think as a collective church, multiple campuses, we have a clear vision of how to love students and teach Jesus. I like to think when I talk to my team and say, hey guys, I know how we're going to accomplish this. We're going to look to Jesus and, and maybe if it's not like a a biblical topic, like I know how we're going to arrange the room or do a camp, or when I look to my team and say, Diane, you know, what's your plan for camp? And she says, well, this is what we're going to do. I believe that in that there's clear vision. Jesus was a God of clear vision. He did not mess around. He was crystal clear on what he wanted and what he meant and how they were going to achieve it. He didn't leave questions to be answered. Love one another. People will know you're my disciple by the way you love others. Number two, love one another. 
This is simple stuff, right? You might be looking at me like, Justin, we've heard this all before. Like, this is easy stuff, right? This is simple stuff. It may be simple, but it's but sometimes difficult to, to implement. It may be simple to understand. Yeah, that vision's so clear. Love one another the way I loved you. People will know you're my disciples by the way you love one another. Love one another. Love one another. This is easy stuff, right? Well, here's the next one. They will know you by your love. This is simple vision. Love one another. They will know you by your love. How are they going to know you? By the t-shirts you wear, by the JHM bracelets, by uh, you know, the stories you share on Facebook, by your Instagram. They're going to know, no, no. By the way you love one another, they will know you by that. That will be the defining characteristic that will set you apart from everything else that's taught. This will set you apart. They will know you by your love. Last one. Go! Go. Go. Jesus is looking at him and saying, this is the command. Go. Go do this. Don't discuss it. Don't put together a little Bible study group and talk about it for 10 weeks and just like, okay, what does it mean to love one another? Well, I'm going to get the original you know, text out and I'm going to lay out 10 Bibles and we're going to figure out what it means to love. No, no, no. Go and love one another. And let people know you are my disciples by your love. Don't discuss it. Don't think. That's what I love about clear vision. That's what I love about Jesus. He doesn't make things complicated. Don't, don't sit around and think tank it and come up with a pro and con list. And you know, don't think of the social structure of your school and what it may look like if you love the outsider. Don't uh, you know, get discouraged because they're not loving you back. Don't uh, discuss with you know, your friends like who we should or shouldn't love because we don't want to be viewed a, a specific way. We don't want to be viewed as one of those people. Jesus is saying, go. If you love, you are one of those people. This is simple. This is simple vision. This is easy stuff. Go. Go love. Go love. Love people. This is easy. This is simple. I can do this. I can wrap my brain up. Go love. Now, there's a, there's a community that you may not hear about that often. That for whatever reason, it's very difficult to be loved. And in the midst of this, Jesus says very clearly to love one another. One of my friends is going to get up here, and they're going to share a story. And in this story, you're going to see a need. You're going to see a need. Now, I want you to remember the things we talked about today as you're listening to this story. Conrad, come on up. I want you to listen and remember the things that girls you wrote down and boys, the things you wrote on your neighbor. I want you to look at your neighbor's arm, boys, and girls, look at your paper. I want you to remember the things we talked about. Listen, Jesus loves outsiders. Jesus has a clear vision. This is not complicated. Jesus said, go love one another, and people will know you are a follower, a disciple of me by your love. Go love. I want you to hear the story. Thanks, Justin. Uh, recently, I was able to go to a country called Haiti. And that word is, that country is thrown around a lot, where it's about an hour and a half south of Florida. That's me. 
That's Port-au-Prince. That's where the earthquake was a couple years ago. And that earthquake left hundreds of children orphans. And orphans, you think of Annie, you can think of a show, you can think of a, you know, anything where orphan is. But these people are real. These children are there. I got to meet them, hug them, share Christ's love with them. And exactly what Justin's three points were. These people are needy, they're forgotten, and they're outsiders. These children need that love. And when we think of needy, we think of, man, I was skateboarding the other day and I tore a hole in my shoe. I need a new pair. Now, I want to tell you a story about this kid that I saw. We were there on a medical mission trip, and this kid had on a girl's flats. Is that a shoe? Is that kind of a, it's like a flat, flats. And on the other foot, he had a sandal, two different pairs of shoes. And he was looking at me, and he was like, I need you. So I came over there, and I, I came over to him. I was like, hey, man, what's going on? And he pointed to his foot. We didn't speak the same language. He pointed to his foot. And on the foot was a sandal, and there was a huge gash. It's about this big on a 10 to 12-year-old's foot. Now, some of us may have broken a bone in our life. It's painful, but usually we get it casted up. It feels better after a couple of weeks. What you do when you break a bone in Haiti, you walk on it, you work on it. It's painful. This is some of the living environments of where the orphans were living. Some of our bedrooms are probably the size of where 10 to 12 people were sleeping. It's cold. It's dark. There's no lights. I have lots of lights on me right now. But when the sun goes down, that's me. When the sun goes down, it's dark. You go to sleep. There's nothing you can do. You're governed by that day. And so this child with this hurt foot, he went to the end of the line to see one of the doctors, and at the end, he comes. Uh, I look at the doctor, and he says, this kid needs serious help. He's in very much trouble. He could lose his whole leg. And I'm like, are you serious? How could this 10 to 12-year-old kid lose a leg from just breaking his foot? He had a bone infection, so it was spreading in his foot, and if you've ever blown up like a latex glove, the, the glove gets all huge, but the fingers kind of just stick out. That's what his foot looked like. Just this huge ball with a couple toes just sticking out. It was disgusting, exactly. But it could be prevented. You guys have taken antibiotics before. That's all he needed, a shot of antibiotics, and that could have saved his leg. And we, I think we ended up treating it, and I think he ended up getting better. But the thing is, that's a need. We think that we have needs when we, like, you know, cut our arms or something like that. This kid was walking around on a broken foot. He was needy. He was an outsider. Um, he needed help. And so I was over there. Look at this kid. She has the same smile that that kid had. They are so stoked to live. This kid was so stoked that I got to talk to him, and he had a broken foot. It was just incredible, just their love, but they have a legitimate need that we don't have. They need things. This is what their market looked like, everything kind of tossed together. We were there, and, and we saw so many cases of just easy things where they just needed Tylenol or they just needed medicine. There's a flipped-over bus. They don't have the, uh, the ability to carry it away. 
So what um, Mariners is trying to do is they're trying to build an orphanage. And this orphanage, I got to actually visit it. Um, I think a couple pictures are of the land that, that it's on. And they want to build a medical clinic there. They want to help store, they want to help these children to live. There it is. That's the land. It's beautiful. It's huge. And they want to build a medical clinic. They want to build dorms for the, for the orphans there so that they don't have to live in the dark and they don't have to live in these cold cement rooms. So there is a need there. And they are kids with faces just like all of us. So I just wanted to share this story with you guys just to point out to you that there is a legitimate need, that, that kids my age and kids your age are really suffering with true need.